Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Welcome. You're listening to the I Can't Believe I Get Paid to Do This podcast from BBC Good Food. Do you dream in food? Are you starting your first job, trying to change your path, writing your CV right now, or simply curious as to how the food on your plate gets there? We're focusing on the careers side of the food industry in this new series. I'm your host, Miriam Nice, and in this podcast, I'm going to be uncovering what it takes to have some of the most enviable jobs in the wonderful world of food. In this episode, we've got an unbelievable dream job to talk about. This person has built her own business based solely around cookies, cookie dough and flavoured milk. My guest this time is Chelsea Collins, co-founder of Blondie's Kitchen, the UK's first and only milk and cookie bar. Welcome to the podcast, Chelsea. How are you? Oh, hi. Thanks for having me. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you. So you're based in Selfridges, London store and online. That's right. That is right. We've been in Selfridges since 2017. And we do also have our online store and we ship across the whole of the UK. And this is like seriously inventive territory. Like we're not talking about just like chocolate chip cookies, like you've done brownie cookie bars, mince pies made with cookie dough. Like what's your <laughs> wildest creation so far? <laughs> That's, it's true. We we make cookie dreams come true it's just it, it's endless <laughs> it never stops I think our most inventive that's a really good question um my most favorite thing at the moment which will be coming back on the menu shortly because it is seasonally appropriate are our cinnamon huns and they are basically like a cinnamon bun but a cookie that we roll so that it has the like pinwheel shape and we coat them in the cinnamon sugar and then we drizzle them with a vanilla glaze they're just great. And uh, so we used mm -hmm. to work together. So I I know you. Um, you were at BBC Good Food mm -hmm. 2014, I think, 16. Is that about right? Yeah, exactly. That is right. Um, God, that feels like so long ago. I actually really miss those days. So I worked at BBC Good Food as a cookery writer, which was just the dream job. And I started catering on the side of my full-time job. And before I knew it, catering sort of led to the cookies because we baked them because Christelle, my business partner, baked them in the restaurant she was working in initially. And it was her childhood recipe. And they were just so popular. Everyone sort of started calling us the cookie girls in our area where we were from and everyone just stopped asking for all of the other stuff we were doing and just started asking for the cookies and at that point it was really on trend to do one thing and do it really well and we'd seen a lot of trends and especially with my job working with you and all the lovely team it was all about thinking about what's you know what's on the horizon what's coming and massively at the time, it was all about food trucks and doing one thing and doing it really well. People were sort of enjoying more of the going to a market and going to independent businesses to purchase versus, you know, going to a supermarket and getting everything at once. It was more about local and it was really nice. And at that point, I think we thought, why don't we just do one thing and do it really well? Um, and that's how 
the cookie idea began. Um, so once it was an idea, we were like, actually, we need to test this to see if people even want it. But because we did have a small client base at the time, we thought, we know people like them, but we need to get our names out there in a bigger and better way. And that's when we found um, a peer here. They are basically a, they're an amazing platform for any new business, no matter what you're selling, to be honest, but especially for food businesses, because they basically find you pop-up retail space um, and act on your behalf. So you don't have to go to landlords directly. You can actually just go straight to them. They can pitch your idea forward wherever you're thinking about setting up and let you know whether you've been successful or not. And through them, because we found them just on the internet, to be honest, through them, we managed to get ourselves a pop-up in Old Street Station Um, They were the ones that actually suggested it to us because initially we'd applied to be in Topshop in Oxford Circus. And at the time, how crazy to think it's no longer there. But at the time, you know, that was like one of the most amazing high street stores to be in. The footfall was massive and we just thought we want to be in there. But they rejected us. (laughs) Um, I don't know who we thought thought we were thinking that we were actually even going to get in there when we were no one with, you know, with a small idea but a peer here were really helpful and said, what about Old Street Station? It's a really good starting point for any new business. There's 70,000 people that were walking through that station a day at that time, which was just mammoth. Like to us, we thought, okay, if we trial it somewhere like that and people don't like it, at least we know because you can't really do better market research than trying to approach 70,000 people in a day. So... We launched in there on a two-week pop-up in October 2016, and that was when I left BBC. Um, Literally, I left with some of my savings from Blondie's Kitchen Catering. Um, We set up a a pop-up tent, which I'm sure you came to visit us on. I did, yeah. You'll probably know what it was. It was just, yeah, it was just literally... Just a tent, yeah. Yeah, it was a gazebo. Well, it was well lit, and I think in in Old Street Station, it's quite dark and, like, that corner, a bit dingy, but it is a good throughput, and I think it was just that kind of glowing, like, welcoming sea of cookies that people must have just loved it. Like, what a treat on your commute. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. So it was just, you know, it was it wasn't the most glamorous place to be, but I just never forget setting up on day 1 and we were trying to sell on day 1 200 cookies. That's what we'd baked in early hours of the morning and we set up at 7am till 7pm and it got to lunchtime on the first day and I just remember thinking, "Oh my god, no one's buying these. Like this is awful." I was like working out all the money we'd spent on the rent for the two weeks that we were there and I started freaking out I'm like a really cautious person to this day I'm Mm. still so like that and I was like what we're gonna do what we're gonna do and Christelle was like you need to calm down it's day one no one knows who we are let's start sampling I was like good idea so we started cutting up the cookies and putting them on a sample tray and giving people samples of our cookies and of our cereal milk that we were bottling at the time, which was our Cocoa Pops flavour. And people were loving it. They were eating it, they were drinking it. And all of a sudden, people started buying. And then by the end of the day, we just had a queue down the whole of the station. And every day went on like that. We traded from 7am till 7pm. 
And we just had queues of people all day. We actually couldn't keep up with the demand at all. We roped in my now husband, who was my boyfriend, who's a chef, to help bake, help with us with the baking at night. And he was making all the cookie dough in the day because we were obviously on the stool selling. And we got picked up in all the press, I think, because it was in a station, it was quite newsworthy for Time Out, Metro, Evening Standard, given that they were on the tube. So it was just, we, you know, we got lucky that it was relevant to them to report it. And we also got a bit lucky in that, obviously, I had a food journalist background. I had people like you coming to show support and help me and share it. And, you know, things like that really make a massive difference. And from there, it just sort of snowballed. Like when we say we fell into cookies, obviously we had the idea and we thought this could be really fun. But at that point, if someone would have asked me, do you think you're still going to be doing this in five years? You're going to have a production facility. You're going to know things about business and staff and a team and insurance and, you know, health and safety policies. I'd be like, what are you talking about? But it just evolved and it almost became bigger than us before we could even, you know, take two step foot, two, two, two step feet forward. Um, and it was just <laughs> a bit crazy. Um, we got approached by Selfridges because they found us on social media. And I think then it just, we were like, wow, what, what's going on? <laughs> So it's such a fantastic achievement. And so people can get to know you a little bit more. Um, Starting at the beginning, if you don't mind, um, what did you want to be when you grew up? What's your earliest memory? I wanted to be a food critic. In my head, the dream job was Jay Rayner. That was what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) So I have always loved food, like everything. I Food has always been everything to me. And I love cooking, obviously. I love eating, uh, more importantly. And for me, that was just like the dream job, like writing about where I go and eat. But was that your own? I feel like you told me that you would like cook, because it's probably a bit embarrassing, but like you used to cook and like talk through what you were doing, like you were presenting it as well. I remember you saying. I love how you're just, I love how you're giving away my deep dark secrets, but I actually did. I used to literally, I used to, I will never forget, I used to be boiling pasta, like I'd make myself pasta and I'd be talking to the hob as if I was on my own TV show. I'd be like, and now I'm just going to simmer the water for nine minutes. And I'd be talking out loud as if I was presenting my own TV show that didn't exist. I actually How also used you? to play. I was like ten. I was ten years old, oh. and I used to, and I used to pretend I was playing Ready Steady Cook. So if my friends would come over on a Saturday night and I'd have a sleepover, I'd make them play Ready Steady Cook with me, and I'd say, and then our babysitter or my mum would would judge the winner. And my favourite thing, my signature dish was Angel Delight butterscotch flavour because it was just the best. And I weirdly used to try, I used to core an apple and stuff the apple with Angel Delight. (laughs) I mean, in an odd way, it was basically a toffee apple. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. And do you feel that the job that you're doing now is your dream job? I definitely feel I am living a dream in the sense that I can't believe that one idea has 
amounted to what it's amounted to. We've, you know, we had one idea to just put a smile on people's faces. Like for us, there is just nothing better than offering people a smile with one bite um, and taking people back to an early memory or making them feel good, even if it's for one minute of the day. And a cookie does that. It's like the simplest thing, but actually it, it can bring so much to people's lives. I know that sounds crazy, but especially during the testing times we've been in with COVID and the, you know, the amount of people that we were just bringing happiness to And it just meant so much to us that we could bring that happiness to people. I think more so than ever now, I really see how happy, you know, one bite can bring. And that just is a dream feeling to know that you can bring that to people's lives. And I think that is what is so special. That's what gets me out of bed every day, to be honest, knowing that I can make someone's day that bit better, even if it's just with a cookie. Okay, so let's talk a bit about your role um, as co-founder of a thriving independent bakery Mm -hmm. business. Tell me, for anyone who isn't sure, what's involved in getting this sort of freshly baked item, like your cookies, from the oven to the customer in such volume? So it's definitely, we're learning every day, by the way, like this isn't even something that we've necessarily even perfected ourselves. Um, We've been in business for five years now this year, and I've sort of always said you know when we get over five years that's when we can't call ourselves a startup anymore which is like really concerning because it's like do or die like have you made it or are you a sinking ship and that that actually always petrified me um but we're here and we've made it and we're surviving so that is good news um and myself and christelle are still so hands-on in the day-to-day running of our business um We've got a bigger team, I think, this year is the first year we've got a bigger team. But prior to this year, um, Christelle was physically on the ground baking every single item, like, alone with a couple of hands helping in the kitchen. But she physically baked everything that came out of the kitchen. And then I managed the front of house side of things. So in-store in Selfridges, the team in Selfridges, and all of the customer inquiries, any of the complaints or any of the incidents or not that there really have been any, thankfully, Um, but just general inquiries, any events. I always manage the event bookings. Um, And since launching our nationwide delivery service last year, that's all massively grown and evolved. And I now manage the e-commerce side of the business. So again, I'm one of the main ports of call for any customer inquiries or queries or complaints, but I'm also responsible for processing all of the online orders that come through and making sure they get to customers safely. I was the one that was physically packing every single order um, over COVID that went out. Um, We've now got a small team, which is great. Um, it's, It's hard when you're in it and you're on the ground running and you're a founder of like a really small business that you think, is it ever going to change? Like, is there ever going to be a shift? Like, is there a light at the end of the tunnel where I'm not going to be the one physically standing here doing this? Because although it's amazing doing it and it it really is, and I feel fulfilled doing it, it's really hard to see how you're going to grow or where the business is going to go when you're so involved on a day-to-day basis. And I think that 
this year we actually, you know, really decided to get a team on board so that we could see beyond having our head in a box or in the oven, um, which is so important because sometimes you need to take a step back to see, okay, where are we going? How are we going to do this? And when you're really busy, which is an amazing thing, um, you think, oh, it's easier if I do it myself. I'm quicker at doing it myself. Oh, it's hard to train people. I can't find people. You know, there's so many different things that limit you from then doing that, that you almost stand still. Um, And for anyone listening to this feeling like that, you're not alone and it it really happens to everyone. And I think starting a business, you have those growing pains constantly for years. And it's a constant balance of how how do I move forward? Yeah, how do I keep my costs down? And how do I make this work? And, you know, that's something we struggle with all the time. But we are finally learning um, and, you know, really the most important thing is having people around you that you can rely on and trust to help you have the same goal and get to where you want to be. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And tell me what a... So you've you've mentioned that you look after the e-commerce side a lot so tell me what a typical day is like for you is it nine to five (laughs) no it's not nine to five um like I said with I'm still very much like on the ground running so I start at seven um I get to the bakery for seven the team are already here um baking away they start slightly earlier um about around five in the morning at the moment um to get everything baked fresh for the day And my first job is to start fulfilling all of the orders that are going out via our hand-delivered service in London that morning. Um, So what I do is I go into the packing room and I start manually fulfilling all of the London orders. So anything that's personalised goes London because obviously it's more fragile and we don't want to damage any of the buttercream. So I fulfil all the orders, make sure I check off against what I've got in there, ribbon ribbon the box, make sure there's an info card attached to the order and sign off that all the correct orders are going with the driver. And then I'm checking the Selfridges list from the night before, their wastage levels, and anything they may need. So let's say they needed extra coffee or milk. I'm adding that to the Selfridges order that then gets dispatched at around 8.30 in the morning um, and getting that ready. So then I come upstairs so I'm downstairs from seven and I'm, I can't have my cup of tea till about nine o'clock. I'm quite funny about that. I'm a real creature of habit. So then I come upstairs <laughs> and then I get my laptop going and I check on all my emails if I've got anything that's come through. And then I start getting the day's orders ready for the following day. So printing the tally lists um, and the bake sheets so the team know what they're doing. And then printing all of the customer orders so the actual labels to stick on every box and make sure that any gift messages get attached to the correct order sheet. I mean, it really isn't, it it sounds quite boring, (laughs) I think. Um, But yeah, it's more, um, my role is quite logistical and operational in that sense. So I'm managing the operation side to ensure that customers have, get their orders you know, that they've ordered on the time and the day that they've selected. 
Um, then around, then I have my tea at nine o'clock. <laughs> um, then my office assistant gets in as well. And she has like changed my life. It's amazing having someone help. And she now is responsible for any customer inquiries and anything that's not pressing and urgent. Um, and then I'm sort of my, the rest of my day pre 12 p.m. is filled with answering emails, you know, getting in contact with our suppliers, trying to negotiate better pricing or coming up with new ideas. Um, I won't bore you with the full list of things. And then from midday, we head back down to the packing room with all of the orders that we printed all morning and start splitting them all out in the packing room by product um, so that it's easier to pack away. And all these systems that we put in place, I mean, that doesn't even sound like a system to someone, but someone had to come up with that and that was me. And during COVID, yeah. you know, when it was like all these orders started coming through and I had no idea how to navigate around it, I had to like think about how we're going to do this. So, you know, we've now got everything by product. We have special boxes that we label with what the products are and they go into the box and you know all these things that we've sort of learned along the way that we're still doing and I'm sure there are better ways of doing things you know I always say to people like don't be scared to ask someone that's doing something more advanced than you are like do you have an idea do you have a suggestion this is what I'm doing I mean actually my office assistant has been really helpful in coming up with some more you know logistical solutions to my quite erratic brain sometimes <laughs> she's like but that must be such a challenge like getting because you do the personalized ones with like the buttercream people's names mm. on and that's just you know once you get to scale surely making sure like the the um chances of making sure that one with someone's name on goes to someone with a different name like it they just increase so you just have to have some kind of process in there so you don't send Brian to Leslie. I mean, you, honestly, you laugh, but you are so right. And it's we're actually going to be launching our personalised seven-inch cookies nationwide as of the end of the month, um, which wow. is going to be a huge transition for us. And obviously, you know, Christelle is amazing and talented and her writing is fabulous. Mine, not so much. I don't actually do it. Um, and, you know, she is actually dyslexic though. So for her to write those messages, she we can't just seal the box and send that off to a customer. We have to make sure that there are three, three sets of eyes looking at that before it even leaves the facility. So Christelle initially personalizes, then one of our packers actually double checks it on the sheet, shuts the box, and then it gets handed over to me, which I then double check it again before I actually ribbon the box and it actually leaves because mistakes can happen. I mean, if you want a horror story, the worst <laughs> thing that ever happened to us, I'll, I'll never get over this. So it was Valentine's. And as you can imagine, this is like a peak time of year for personalised items. Like this is our busiest day of the year where anyone sends something personalised. And it was, it was a couple of years ago, me and Christelle were basically left in the bakery on our own doing everything. We had a, um, a bakery assistant that had been helping Christelle, but unfortunately they had handed their notice in, their time had come to an end and we hadn't managed to found a replacement. So we were in the bakery from probably five in the morning and it, it, it's now at this point when this happens, 11pm. And we were in a sea of cookies 
and buttercream. And we just, we literally were just looking around like, how are we going to get through this? It got to the point I had to phone my mum and ask my mum at 11pm to come to our bakery and help me start packing away because I just didn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I thought, how are we going to do this? Like, we are physically not going to do this. We're letting the economy down. Like, we cannot do this to people. (laughs) I just thought we were ruining people's valentines if we didn't do it. You can imagine we were exhausted. We, we're ribboning our last one. Christelle's husband, who was boyfriend at the time, came and helped as well. And we're ribboning the last one and we're about to finish. And as we shut the door, like we've cleaned down, everything's good, we shut the door to leave, we just hear something like fall to the floor. So we opened the kitchen door. We're like, no, no, what has happened? And two of the giant personalised cookies had fallen off the table and had just fallen on the floor like face down we we were we wanted we wanted to cry it was just awful so we opened them and unbelievably miraculously so they were fine it's it's like we we couldn't believe it we were like how's this how's this happened anyway unfortunately because we were tired we put the wrong order sheet on the wrong cookie and the two got mixed so they went, we, this, we, we had no idea. They got mixed, they went out and we ended up receiving this complaint email, which was not only that the wrong cookie was received, but it, the messaging on the cookie said something like, um, rest in peace with a name. And the person had given it gifted it to her boyfriend. It said, rest in peace, Ryan, I think the name was what I'm making up the name Ryan. Rest in peace, Ryan. It turns out that her ex-boyfriend was called Ryan, this girl that had sent it to the the new boyfriend. And he thought it was a sick and twisted joke and had broken up with her over it because he didn't find it funny. And she sent us this email. And you know when you actually cannot believe what you're reading? I was like, (laughs) I phoned Christelle. I was like, we've not only sent someone the wrong message, we've ruined a relationship on Valentine's Day. They're over. The guy's broken up with her. How do we come back from this? What did you what? do? I, I didn't know. I just profusely apologised. Obviously, offered a free cookie as a as an apology among lots of other items, and said, you know, please let me speak to Ryan, non Ryan, the non Ryan, <laughs> and explain this was completely our error and was completely non related. And you know, she actually ended up saying, "Thank you, I appreciate it," and it was okay. But I just that was that was. I'll never forget that in my whole life. So you did mention that you're, some of the things you do, I mean, that sounds like a very exciting day, (laughs) but you did say that some of the things weren't quite so dramatic. What are the common sort of misconceptions that people have about what you do? Um, That that we eat cookies all day, every day. um, (laughs) And that we... I think because we're the face of the brand in some ways as well, and on Instagram, things can often look quite glamorous. Although we do try and keep it real, you know, with like where we are and what we're doing. Um, you know, that we're just sort of swanning around and that we own the business and we're the founders, but we're not actually physically baking your cookies, packing your orders, um, and dealing with the day-to-day of the business. And that is like the complete opposite. Like we are the people that make this day-to-day happen. We're on the ground running 
every single day in the kitchen, in the office and in the packing room, like making sure everything happens. And I think people think that, you know, initially it was probably our idea and now we just sit in an office behind a desk and we've got little cookie bees workers, you know, around the whole building and it's just so not like that. (laughs) Um, Well, yeah, I remember seeing a lot of your Instagram posts, particularly at the beginning when you first started at Selfridges, just like in a van, in the dark. It was mostly just like 5am or midnight. And I was like, when do you sleep? I presume you didn't sleep at any point during that period. No, to be honest, we didn't then. I have to say, like now, I do. I have two days off a week. I try to. I mean, listen, sometimes I still work six days if we've got a big event or something on. But for me, that doesn't feel like, oh, I'm pushing myself to my limit and I'm working too much because I do live and breathe this business. Like Blondie's Kitchen means so much to me and I love it. And I think if you love what you do, you don't feel like every waking minute you're working, you know, if you do six days. However, when you do six days and 18 hour days, that is when the work-life balance becomes really hard because you actually just end up, well, I'm speaking for myself here, as an emotional unstable wreck if you do that for too too many consecutive (laughs) weeks because you just lack of sleep, lack of food, and then, you know, lack of rationalism to actually be like, whoa, 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 what's going on here? And that's when it can get out of hand. And to be honest with you, for a, for three years, we ran like that. We did. Yeah. But, you know, we didn't have a choice. Um, I wish we did, but we didn't. Um, you know, we, we just, we didn't get investment. We didn't have anyone backing us. We were just doing it on our own. And I think if you do something on your own, you're committed to it like that, you know, you've got to be prepared to sacrifice some of your life, really. Um, and it, 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 it's finally paying off in the sense that, you know, we're, we're seeing it come together and it's working and the team are here and people are ordering and that just means so much. And what about your, you know, the people close to you, like your friends and family, like what did they say when you, you said that you first wanted to do this and what was their reaction when you were working so, so much? I think, um, at first it was difficult. Um, our families were so supportive um, so that was amazing and that was never doubted for a second and they you know they really believed in us and wanted us to keep going and actually really supported our strong work ethic I think friendship wise you know it was hard because we did miss out on a lot of things um, and going out and I think actually I'm also married to a chef and anyone in the food industry especially if you're chefing the antisocial hours are just, you just have to, if you're not willing to accept that, then you you can't do this. You can't make it in this industry. Um, that's unfortunately the times people want to eat and get together. Um, and that's when you're your busiest. Even bakeries, you know, like the start times, we're actually quite lucky that we start early hours of the morning. Some bakeries start in the middle of the night and then they're working Mm. all night and they have no daytime. So they're losing out in that sense. And and it's hard for friends to understand that. But, you know, your your real friends and the people that want to stick around and know why you're doing it won't go anywhere. And the ones that fall by the wayside sometimes actually it's not because you don't want to be friends anymore it's just because your lives have changed and things happen and you don't have time which which is difficult at times but actually you've just got to focus on you know why you're doing this are you happy and do you believe you are going to get to where you want to be and I think if at least one of those three is yes 
then keep going because they're never all going to be yes. I can't, I'm not sitting here saying it's been really fun and really easy because honestly, it's been the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I think the responsibility of running a business has scared me so much. It's actually made me question whether I even want children because I can't imagine the responsibility of a human being um, with the responsibility I have of this business. And it's, it never stops. Um, and I think if someone asked me, if if I knew what I know now, then would I have done this? I don't know. You know, it's been really hard, but I'm proud of where we've got to. But I think going into it naively was probably the best thing ever because I had no idea what was ahead. And actually, I think that was a good thing. And one thing you said was, you know, going into it naively was was kind of important. Are there any... I know you've got a lot of experience in food and catering, but are there any required qualifications to set up a business? Do you did you need to have any accreditations or anything to do what you're doing? To be honest, no, we didn't, um, and it really does just show. Like, if you are passionate and you have a dream, genuinely anything is possible. I really believe that, and if you believe in yourself and your idea you can get everything you need to get set up and do what you need to do. Like the internet is an amazing place to learn. You know, even with things like we needed health and safety certificates, you know, you need a level of certification in order to run a kitchen and serve people. But you just find all this information on the internet and you do what you need to do to get that certification. You just, you know, you jump through the hoops you need to jump through to get to where you want to be. But no, did I need to do a cookie course in how to sell cookies? Absolutely not. I just learned as I went along. Um, There was no, you know, right way or wrong way. And actually, that's, that's a good thing. I think do your research before you start and make sure you're declaring absolutely everything you need to declare There's actually a new law coming in in October, the Natasha law, um, where you will need to declare all of the ingredients um, on any pre-packed item. If anyone is taking anything away and it doesn't have the correct allergens on or even full ingredient list, you know, that's going to be against the law. So for anyone that's, you know, already in business and is selling food and isn't considering these things from October you're going to have to consider it because it's so important. Yeah, well, thanks for sharing that with me. Um, we, uh, I, I'm just going to ask you something slightly daft now. Um, how do you go about creating the next internet-breaking trends? Oh, my God, that's so funny. Um, I, do you know what? I actually don't know. I just, we're constantly innovating, coming up with, with ideas. We can't help it. I think that's... Just comes to you in a it dream. It does. It literally does. <laughs> it's like, what would be my next best thing? And then I just, boom. Or Christelle thinks, oh my God, I've just had this idea. And then once she gives me a bit of her idea, like for example, she was like, why don't we turn the old school school dinner cake into a cookie? I was like, yes, let's do it. And then I was like, we need a custard dip. And it was like her initial <laughs> idea with my custard dip, boom. <laughs> dreamy awesome okay we we're pretty much out of time but um can I just ask you to leave us with some key things that anyone who wants to have a job like yours start a business like yours um what would give them a head start um I'd say from a business point of view make sure you're really on top of your numbers um don't ever lose sight of the fact that you're doing something to earn a living 
and you know you have to get by in life and if that's if that's probably the most important thing whether it's viewed to you like that or not from the start it will always be a really important thing so try and go paperless it means you don't have loads of receipts just sitting on your desk eating you alive (laughs) find a mentor really I think that's really important you know if you're in business on your own me and Chriselle always say we're so lucky we have each other to bounce ideas off of but if you're in business alone especially it's really important to find people that you look up to or can go to with advice when you need it so If you're thinking, well, I don't know anyone and no one does what I do, so I don't have anyone, find someone that you like the look of their products or if they're doing something similar that really inspire you, reach out to them. You'd be surprised how many people are willing to give you your time. And I think as well, last thing, Holly Tucker, if anyone knows her, she was the founder originally of notonthehighstreet.com. She has a book. Um, that is called do what you love slash love what you do and it is really thought-provoking about you know having passion for what you do and if you do then you'll you know you can go anywhere and I think always focusing on the positive sides of where you want to be will get you get you to your goal amazing Thank you so much, Chelsea. Thank you for joining me. Um, Next time I'll be finding out about another dream job in food. But in the meantime, Chelsea is going to be recording a bonus episode with us in which you can learn some essential trade secrets directly from her. Thanks, Chelsea. It was so nice to talk to you. So nice to speak to you. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Pleasure. Um, And for more information, visit bbcgoodfood.com slash podcasts. You've been listening to the I Can't Believe I Get Paid to Do This podcast from BBC Good Food, hosted by me, Miriam Nice. Join me next time as I uncover another dream job in food and drink. 